Welcome to Coastal Front. Join us each week as we sit down with the movers and shakers of Vancouver to discuss stories of business, politics, accomplishment, and failure. Our aim is to keep you dialed into what matters most in our city. Now, here's your host, Andrew Johns. Great, Pawnee Agali from uh, Dixon Society. You are the executive director. I'm so happy to have you have you here. Thank you we, for having me. Thanks. Yeah, we've known each other for a number of years. Yes. Crystal and I have been big supporters of of your charitable organization. I remember back when we first started getting involved. When I first started getting involved in helping fundraise for Dixon Society, it was actually called the Margaret Dixon Society. Yes. Were you there when it was called that then? No, when I arrived, they had already rebranded and changed the name of the society to Dixon Transition Society. Okay. Yes. Who is Margaret Dixon? Let's start with that. Yeah, so Margaret Dixon, um, as legend has it, (laughs) (laughs) worked at United Way of Lower Mainland. And so she was instrumental in connecting uh, the Dixon board and the staff to funding. Um, to resources in Victoria and, of course, United Bay of Lower Mainland to yeah. support us. And so in honor of her, the n- organization was named after her and the house is called Dixon House. Okay. And how long has the – your organization is based out of Burnaby. Correct. Right? But you service uh, women and families from the whole Lower Mainland? Yes. So uh-huh. we serve women and children from anywhere in the Lower Mainland. Some yeah. of our programs are very Burnaby-specific. Mm-hmm. So um, our counseling programs, um, clients have to live in Burnaby to okay. qualify for that program. But transitional housing program, women come from anywhere. Yeah. Again, bulk majority of clients are from Burnaby, but women can come from anywhere in Lower Mainland, Some sometimes other parts of the province. We've had women from other provinces as well. Oh, have you yeah. really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. And, and how long has the uh, society been running for now? Yeah, so the organization has been around since 1973. Oh, really yeah. that long? Yeah, exactly. Oh, no yeah, it's yeah. been over 46 years now. And always based in Burnaby. Always based in Burnaby. Yeah. Yes, it, it started in the basement of Deer Lake United Church. That's yeah. where the board meetings used to happen. Wow. And yeah, it grew from there. It's it's very grassroots. It had yeah. its root uh, very much in the community. The community was called in to furnish the house yeah. when the house was first opened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I love supporting it because it really is. Um, the, in my view, the opposite of what you get with like a UNICEF or a United Way. It's a yeah. small, I know you get a lot of volunteers yes, uh, that help out. Do. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. pretty neat. Now, you've been the executive director for what, two, what, two years? Uh, nine years. No, oh, nine years. Nine yes. years, sorry. Yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah, we were just talking about that earlier. Yeah. And, um, and so what has there been any kind of uh, big moments for you, sort of uh, big transitional moments or events that have happened in the nine years that you want to speak about? Yeah, I mean, the organization has transformed um, quite a lot. When I started, um, there was a lot of work that had to be done internally. We staff have been amazing. Mm-hmm. The, the group of staff are pretty incredible, but there was some stuff around um, operational pieces and policies and that kind of thing that were that were lacking needed updating and so we've done that work and we really built the um capacity of the organization to be able to better serve the 
the families that we serve. So um, now we have a manager and she is responsible for making sure that the quality of services are what we envision, that yeah. the staff are supported. It's a 24-7 operation at Dixon House, so there's a lot of staff support needed. Yeah. Um, critical incidents happen. So it's really important for someone to be present on site. Yeah. And then I focus on really building the relationship with the community and with the funders and yeah. with the volunteers and donors. And so that has been a process for us to get here. Yeah, yeah, great. Well, we're gonna talk a little bit about who your donors are mm-hmm. and um, and the work that your staff mm-hmm. do, because you said uh, it is a 24-hour operation at the, tra- at the transition house. Yes. But let's maybe start by just high-level overview of people who've never heard of the Dixon mm-hmm transition society before what is your organization yeah so at dixon transition society we primarily provide um services to women and children fleeing violence so 90 percent 95 percent of our programming focuses on that we offer transitional housing programs so that includes dixon house which i mentioned it's a safe house for women and children to stay at it's that first step emergency shelter Mm -hmm. and the capacity of the house is 10 women and children at any given time and then we have trans second stage housing wenda's place and that's named after wenda erickson who was one of the other uh, contributing members and second stage is more of a structured supportive living environment so um, the families have their own apartment units but there is a staff on site during business hours to really support the children and women And we have an affordable housing program or what we refer to as third stage. That's just four units of um, independent housing. So the women and children that live there are more independent but can access resources. We also have um, two programs that we refer to as sustaining women's success and sustaining children's success. And what we mean by that is supporting the families beyond that emergency transitional housing, really supporting them to um, break the cycle of violence, to heal, to reach their potential, um, for the children to have access to things that they normally don't have access to. As part of that, we have two types of counseling programs. So Stopping the Violence Program supports the woman, um, any woman who has experienced any kind of emotional abuse, but often emotional or physical, but often the clients are um, women who stay at our facilities yeah and then family counseling program and that is the only program that is also open to men and the focus of that program is children um, so it is parents and uh, primary caregivers who are struggling with their role as as a parent yes and so the family counselor supports them with that oh wow wow that's a lot of really great services yeah is it do you find that a lot of the um, women and children that are in, say, stage three or mm-hmm. um, s- uh, um, affordable s- housing. Affordable housing. Yeah. Did a lot of them come through from the second stage and, and ultimately actually mm-hmm. through that first stage? Or is it um, sometimes it happens that women kind of go through the stages, yeah. but often women may come from another transition house, from okay. another second stage facility, or m- they may just be independent enough right after they leave the abusive situation to just come and live at third stage so they don't need a lot of support yeah when you look at your annual revenue or sorry annual budget and Mm -hmm. where you're spending most of your resources what's the breakdown between those sort of three stages plus those other services so um the transition house um which is 
primary funded by BC Housing uh -huh. um, takes the bulk of the budget because yeah. it's a 24-7 operation. Um, it's a communal living environment. So women and children are living at the house. They're there 24-7. They need a lot of initial support. Children need to change the schools and get connected to resources. Women need... Um, legal aid, um, income assistance sometimes, a lot of other support. So that program takes, we provide food, everything, almost all the cost of the families are um, buried by Dixon. So that program takes the bulk of the budget. Okay. And then um, accordingly, the cost goes down. So second stage housing um, is less, even though it's a bigger program, it's nine units, staffing time is a lot less. Sure. And then affordable housing which is not funded although we did receive some funding from cmhc mbc housing to do capital improvements oh, um, but there is no ongoing funding to support that program okay um, our family counseling is next stv stopping the violence and then housing outreach and that is part-time staff who supports the woman move out of our facilities and get into permanent affordable housing okay okay good well that, that makes sense that most of your resources be allocated towards the most critical point exactly these, these these women's and children's journey um so your organization you said earlier you do take uh families in from outside of burnaby even mm -hmm. though you're uh, most of what you do is in burnaby um you also have staff how many full-time staff do you have today we have about six full-time staff yeah. if i'm correct oh, sorry um my google google <laughs> on my phone was talking to me trying trying to get me to ask you a question i'm not sure yeah <laughs> what do you want to know google Sorry. yeah so staff? about six full-time staff and okay. then um part-time and casuals yeah yeah actually this this actually um takes me to one of the things that i always do when i'm as a donor of when i'm donating to charities that i always look at mm -hmm. is what they call um the breakdown and you get the, this you've probably seen this on cra's website yes. so for those listeners who aren't familiar with this you can uh, google uh, charitable uh, charitable organizations uh, government of Canada mm -hmm. and there's a directory of every single uh, organization that has a charitable number and one of the things that caught my attention when I first before you and I even met when we first looked at don donating to money to the Dixon Society mm -hmm. is the amount of money that goes to the actual charity mm -hmm. um, for those who don't know I mean if you look at names like UNICEF or United Way or these big organizations, candidly, you're only often getting 60 cents in the dollar because there's so much that goes towards fundraising and mm -hmm. administration. Uh, Ross, you've got the screen here. So if you scroll down, you can actually, I don't know if you ever looked at this yourself. I have, Connie. yes, of yeah. course. So, you know, one of the things that blows me away is that you guys have one of the lowest, one of the highest sort of, I call it, uh, um, highest uh, amount of money per dollar that mm -hmm. goes, so you can see there, it's 90, 90 cents in the dollar goes mm -hmm. towards your charitable program. Yes. Um, which I think speaks volumes. But that's also why I wanted to really promote this through the podcast because I feel like your kind of charities are the ones that probably need more money than those mm -hmm. big ones because you don't have a massive advertising budget. You mm -hmm. don't have the kind of um, branding name that, say, United Way would have. Right. But yet, in my view, you do something so critically important to our society at the people who are really at the most risk if you look mm -hmm. at all the people that are most risk in our society children and women of domestic violence like to me i don't know why you wouldn't want to support a charity like that so as a plug for thank Dixon you <laughs> <laughs> why don't we talk a little bit about um before we get into the stats whenever let's mm -hmm. talk a little about like 
what what kind of scenarios do do you see coming through? What can you get real for us for mm-hmm. the listeners with what kind of things like if I was donating a thousand dollars to the Dixon Society, mm-hmm. what kind of, what how am I helping you? How am I helping um, the people you support? Yeah. So what is what is kind of unique about Dixon is mm-hmm. that we really have comprehensive services. So. Um, we have all the stages of housing, as I mentioned. We have that emergency transition house, but we also have second stage and affordable housing program. So that's pretty unique about our organization. And then at the same time, we have supporting programs like supporting um, women's success through different counseling programs, the housing outreach worker. So we have all these complements of programs that help uh, build us what we are and make us pretty unique. Um, when a woman walks through our door, usually um, if she has children, they often come with pretty much nothing. The few things that they could grab really quickly and leave because the opportunity for leaving safely is limited. Mm-hmm. And so when they arrive at the house, um, children are often greeted with a toy or something that would you know take their mind off of it of the situation that they're in depending on their age of course and then they're guided to their room the family stays together in the same room if the if it's a bigger family they may occupy two room mm-hmm. and then while they stay with us that first few days we kind of let let them be let them sleep let them kind of recoup and then we sit down with them and go through what are their needs and what is it they envision that they get out of this process while they stay with us um there is of course the cost of food is covered the cost of over-counter medication is covered sometimes in the past we have even covered cost of dentists for the woman um cost of medication Mm -hmm. that they couldn't afford formula diapers all of those things so donations that come through really help us with that, really help us to make sure that they have everything that they need. Mm-hmm. As I said, BC Housing is a funder, but that only covers 85% or 80% at any given time of our operational um, cost. And then at second stage, there is that um, structured support and what I mean by that is that the woman sits down with the program coordinator and sets goal because the the second stage housing stays longer. It's one to two years depending on the needs of the woman. And the idea is that by the time they leave the program, they have achieved the goals that they have set. And those goals are their goals. So okay. if it is that I want to go to counseling, if they're immigrant woman and they want to improve their English, um, if they want to go back to school, whatever that may be, that is their goal. But the idea is that we know what it is that they want to achieve so we can support them. One of the other things that the program coordinator does is surveys the clients every once in a while to see what are the kind of workshops and things that they want to um, have so we have volunteers come on site who do resume preparation interview um, skills we have people who come we have weekly yoga sessions and women almost every woman we have talked to has talked about how that has helped them really just an hour for themselves an hour yeah. to just ground themselves they have talked about the power of that yeah. um, we have people who come and do dance we have people who come and do couponing um we have all sorts of different things we have our our counselors do um mindfulness and we have a healthy relationship and healthy boundaries workshop and for that we're not talking about romantic partners we're talking about um other family members your employer your neighbors and then recently we received funding from canadian woman foundation 
and the focus of that workshop is it's a series of workshops that is offered throughout the year. And the focus is for the mothers to identify the signs of trauma in their children and then support them, know how, what the signs are and how they can support them because oh, wow. that is a really big challenge for the children sure. who have witnessed violence. Yeah. So we really try and to... I'm going to make a jump here. I'm yeah. assuming there's probably a cycle there that if the children don't learn to deal exactly. with it and identify it, then they may become victims of violence themselves. Exactly. That 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 is actually um, very true. And yeah. what our goal is to kind of break that cycle of violence yeah. and and support the mothers to identify if the child is um, acting out or not sleeping or not doing well at school. What are the reasons? These are signs of the trauma that the children have experienced and then support her with some tools on how she can support the child. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wow, that's really great. Now, you mentioned earlier that a lot of times these families come with very little because mm-hmm. the, um, the opportunity for s- to go to safety is not very, um, uh, very there, there's not very many opportunities. Yes. How does a woman... Um, I'm going to assume most of these ladies probably, maybe they're not employed. Um, they're probably not, they're obviously not well off economically. Mm-hmm. Um, so they might not even have a lot of resources mm-hmm. or a computer. Like how would they even know that dicks in society exists and mm-hmm. how would they get in touch with you in the first place? Yeah. So, um, we have a pretty good reputation in the community. Uh-huh. So, um, and of course if police is involved, they know victim services is aware of our services. Oh, I see. Um, there is, of course, other organizations. If they're immigrants and are accessing immigrant services, they would know about it. Oh. Um, if they look online, they know about it. If they call any helpline, yeah. they would refer them to oh, us. Oh, I see, of course. So that is how they find us. Right, yeah. because if, if there's a domestic violent event, it's probably not the first one. Yes. And so the police will take that initiative, mm-hmm. I'm assuming, yes. to help these women you know, know that there's an option for them. Yes. Other than just staying in that yeah and sometimes neighbors and friends and family um, know something is happening suspect something is happening so they do research and then they provide that information Mm -hmm. yeah so would you have situations come up where um, literally a a woman calls you she's just maybe the police have arrested her husband or partner and she wants to use this as an like I mean what are some examples we don't want to name names of Mm -hmm. course but but just can you give us some real examples? I'd love the listeners to, because I've heard them. Yeah. And I'd love to get the listeners to hear about some just examples of like the kind of things that these people go through. Because mm-hmm. I feel like I've heard the stories and it makes me want to donate more. I mean, mm-hmm. we've been, you know, supporting the organization for a long time, but it's those kind of specific types of examples of, yeah. can you walk us through a couple of like what sort of, how does this, and especially because a lot of people who donate probably have mm-hmm. never dealt with domestic violence. Right. I never have. Um, my family has. So you can even couldn't even you know sort of envision what and unfolds for these women mm-hmm. and their children. Yeah, I mean there is unfortunately violence and abuse comes in many forms and shape. It comes in economic, um, emotional, and of course physical, mm-hmm. physical violence and abuse. And we have women who have experienced severe physical and emotional violence. They share their stories with us. Um, Sometimes they don't. It's Mm -hmm. totally up to the woman. So we don't ask them to divulge details of what has happened to them. But we have had situations where there has been severe violence where the woman has really been afraid for her life and for the life of the children. We've had Mm -hmm. cases where um, they were attacked and choked or um, threatened. 
with weapons they were pushed down a stairs so there's all sorts of different horrific scenarios yeah. um but i think what is really um what we try to focus on is is the resilience of of the woman okay. and how they resist while they stay so um they they display the resistance in many ways so women resist going back you mean or? yeah uh, well no but like when they are in the situation that they are in yeah. um they their power is taken away from them so right. their connections to their community and friends are slowly taken away right. um like you said they may not be working or if they're working he's still controlling the finances um and so they um they resist by like putting change away slowly by hiding like um little pieces of clothing and toys away slowly and connect with resources and wait for the right moment to leave and then when they arrive i mean during do you even coach these ladies on when's the right time to leave yes so they call you when let's say this uh the man is out mm-hmm. for 20 minutes they can make a quick phone call and yes and get some advice and yes so when we when we receive the call the first thing we ask is if is she safe is she safe uh, to right. speak with us yeah. and then if that is the case um then she might say i only have 10 minutes yeah. then we do a really quick safety plan and sometimes we hold the room for the woman if we know she's coming and yeah. she's ready to get away any yeah. moment now um and we we do safety plan we walk her through what are the things that she needs to bring if she can um documents personal id medication prescription anything that she can um bring with her that assists her later as she as she accesses resources gotcha yeah and you can i guess uh, because you're running a Mm 24-hour operation can women show up at any time? Yes, so women call us at any time of the day, really. And um, depending on how they can get to us, sometimes yeah. they can get to us safely. Sometimes we may have to pay for a cab. Sometimes yeah. we have to um, meet them halfway. Yeah. yeah, so we arrange all of that with oh, them. Okay. Yeah. What about uh, the children themselves? Do, mm-hmm. What's like? How, what age ranges? Do you have any restrictions on how young the children can be or how old they can be or anything like that? No, we've had children born at the house. Really? So we we actually had recently a client who um, gave birth while she was at the house. I mean, she didn't (laughs) give birth at the house, but like she was expecting and um, she came back from the hospital with a beautiful baby. So we've had, you know. That must cheer people up, right? Yeah, newborns. when they're crying, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Newborns Newborns and we also have, you know, as old as 17, 18. Um, if if the children have any developmental disabilities and are older than 18 they're still welcome yeah Um, we've taken um, grandmas in um, because sometimes the woman has her mother living with her and that's not safe so yeah we've taken the whole family sometimes yeah and um with respect to the women who come, are mm-hmm. are are there many immigrant women, or are they a combination? Of, I mean, what's? Yeah, there is. Th- we have um, a number of immigrant women, but we have indigenous women, we mm-hmm. have Canadian-born white women, we yeah. have a variety of women um, come and access our services. Yeah. Last year, we did uh, extensive research into the impact of our programs. Oh yeah. And um, the it's called Project Impact, and it's actually okay. on our website. If if any of the listeners want to go and check it out but one of the things that surprised us even was the number of women who had post-secondary education 
Really? It was so surprising even to us. I think seventy really? percent or something. Seventy percent like had post secondary education. If I like if I'm remembering, or a, yeah, a college or yeah, bachelor's or, or uh, yeah, high education. But so it it really speaks to how domestic violence can happen across yeah. cultures and sure. education and economic I would never have thought backgrounds. That if you asked me, I yes. would have thought this is going to be people are uneducated, very yes. very poor. Yeah. You know, yeah, no. Ap- and actually, <laughs> this is something I learned recently. Um, the highest number of crimes in West Vancouver is domestic violence. In West Vancouver? In West Vancouver, which is like one of the richest municipalities is that right? in our city. And do you guys service West Vancouver as well? Um, I don't know if we've had any woman from yeah. West Vancouver. They probably access resources Over in North there. Shore yeah, or in distance, Vancouver. But but yeah, wow. so it cuts Amazing. across yeah. all cultures and class and income and yeah. education level. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how, what's the average number of children that a mom a mom comes with? Is it is there there's more than one most time or? Yeah, it depends. I mean, sometimes we have one. Sometimes we have four. Um, four. It what's really the most you ever had? <laughs> I think we had five. Five. We had a family that had five children. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and ranging from like two to sixteen or something. Wow! Yeah, wow, amazing. Yeah. Um, this is the impact page here. I think, yes, Project stories impact. of resilience. Yeah. 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 So that's um the stories of resilience is a series of interviews that um our communication and development coordinator did with the clients. Yeah. And they are really inspiring. And then Project Impact is like the result of our research that we did. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's great. Uh, now your organization, um, you're you're the executive director. You mm-hmm. have a board. Yes. Um, how many board members do you have? Right now we have six board members. Six board members. Um, tomorrow night is our AGM. Oh, is it? Okay. Um, I think after that we are going to be seven. Okay. <laughs> we have a potential yeah. board member that is joining us. Yes. Yeah. 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 And um, and when it comes to funding, you mentioned mm-hmm. a couple times previously about uh, BC Housing. Mm-hmm. Um, how much of your what's your annual operating budget roughly? It is 1.3. 1. 1.3 million? Yeah. That's it? Yeah. That's all you got to yeah. work with? Yeah, it's not significant. Wow. <laughs> um, and, and how much of that comes from government funding? 80% of that yeah. is government funding. And yes. I, I know the, uh, the federal liberal government has been really big, at least on sending a lot of money for mm-hmm. women and children overseas. Do yes. you see it here domestically as well? Have you gotten much in the way of additional dollars from this uh, the yeah. Trudeau government? So when the Trudeau government first came to power, one of the fundings that they um, provided was to transitional housing programs uh-huh. to make capital improvements um, to our facilities. And so we have done that in the past two years. We have okay, done a so lot you did of get capital some funding improvements. Some money yes. Yeah. yeah, so it was um, allocated from govern- federal government and okay. distributed through BC Housing. Through, oh, through BC Housing. So yes. how much did you get in there? Uh, um, last year we received $85,000, okay. and so we will be receiving some more this year for a third stage. And did you get some before that? No, it's been it's been distir- dispersed through span of it's going to be dispersed mm. through three years. Three years, yeah. So eighty five thousand was for our transition house, and yeah, a little uh, something close to seventy thousand for a second stage. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so government funding, which comes from through th- if it's federal, it still comes through BC Housing. In this case, in it this, did. Oh, yes, case. yeah. Um, do you get any now? You're Burnaby based. Do you get funding from the 
City of Burnaby as well? So or? City of Burnaby supports us in a number of different ways. Uh-huh. So our transition house is on lease land from City of Burnaby. Okay. Um, they supported our second stage project by providing the land and funding. Uh-huh. And um, they provide us with um, lease um, lease grant for our um, rental offices on Holdem Street. Yeah. And we are really hopeful that they will soon provide us with land and funding support to build additional 20 additional units of housing. So BC Housing is at the table ready to yeah. go with funding and um, the city of Burnaby will potentially um, lease the land to BC Housing for 60 years and oh, wow. expedite all the process and yeah. potentially provide some financial support. Okay, yeah. so big big push. For hopefully, mayor and city council for the city of Burnaby <laughs> are listening to this reminder that they could really help a lot more families yes. if they if they get on board with yes. uh, yourselves and BC Housing. Yes. Well, that's great. Um, ha- have you found the new provincial government to be quite helpful um, with with your uh, your services? Um, yes. I mean, I can't really name something specific in terms of funding. We yeah. still actually haven't received our final funding um, numbers for this fiscal year, for 2019-2020 okay. fiscal year from BC yeah. Housing. When's your fiscal year end? Uh, March 31st. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we are still waiting on that. We had some increase in funding, so we, we were able to increase the number of hours from our STV program. Yeah. Um, but nothing concrete in terms of funding yet. Yeah, okay. Yes. Now you said 80% comes from government funding. Correct. And then the other 20% comes from where? Donation. Donations. Donation from yeah. the community members, yeah. donation and fundraising, yeah. yes. Now what kind of events do you do for fundraising mm. um, so that the p- general public can become more aware of the Dixon Society? Yeah. How, do you, how do you get your name out there? Yeah, so yesterday actually we, we participated in the Scotia Charity Challenge. Okay. Our goal was to raise $20,000. Oh, this is for the half marathon? Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> so um, we raised $20,700, 715 wow, to be exact. So that was amazing. That was for our child support program. Yeah. Um, so our child support program was partially funded by United Way of Lower Mainland and the funding was cut by half and then will be eliminated next year. So we are really focusing on raising funds for that. And then in Christmas, we always do an annual Christmas jazz concert. Miles Black volunteers his time. He's done it for eight years now. And the Brentwood Presbyterian Church provides the venue. Dr. Frazier is a jazz enthusiast. So um, we have that event every year. And every year it sells out. And so that's a community fundraiser that we do. Yeah. And of course, throughout the year, we welcome donations always. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and sure. you and Crystal have supported us generously throughout yeah. the years. Yeah. yeah, well, it's been easy to do. So we have a number of organizations that support us. And then a lot of individuals that just sponsor one family. And um, depending on their means, they sponsor bigger or smaller families and really support us throughout the year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's good. Yeah, and I, do you, now I, I believe you guys do a big Christmas dinner at the house too, right? Yes, we do a Christmas dinner at the house, a yeah. Christmas dinner at second stage where we also invite the third stage clients. And yeah, it's it's really one of the things about the house is that I remember when I first started at Dixon yeah. and I went and I did the tour and I went to a bedroom and it was like really emotional to think that 
you pack everything and you come to a room in a communal space and yeah. it can be very difficult but then as i went back to the house it's it's like i said women are so incredibly resilient yeah. staff are so kind and generous and really good at their job so the house is really like a home environment um despite what you know people might think that it will be like a stressful environment or a sad environment it's actually a very um positive environment where you can always uh, smell some kind of food yeah. that someone is cooking <laughs> we have a special room for the children that they play in we have yeah. a room for moms so yeah it's it's a positive environment and yeah. i think you if if um the listeners read the stories of resilience they will see that how women just thrive it's yeah. all they needed is the opportunity and then they thrive yeah yeah, yeah absolutely no it's a it's amazing what you guys do for these mm-hmm. these women. Um, part of that counseling service is part of that trying to um, ensure that these women don't go back to this cycle of abuse. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you, do you, I'm assuming you must find some of the women who do end up leaving yep. and go back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, some women go back. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, women leave a number of times before they fully leave. Oh, Sometimes right? maybe leaving um, will trigger their partner um, to seek help. Yeah. So those are good situations where yeah. he asks for help and hopefully stops the, the pattern of abuse. Sometimes women go back in hopes of things getting better and they don't and they leave again. Um, yeah, mm. it happens. Do you, do you have any examples that you can speak about, whether you can name or name or not, that is like a real success story, like a, a woman who really just was in a, a horrible situation mm-hmm. is over the last five, 10, 15 years is, yeah. you know, maybe come back to inspire other women. Do you have any examples of that? Yeah, we actually have a number of that. Yeah. Um, women, women come back um, to celebrate milestones with us often. Okay. So we've had women come back because um, in one case, there was a woman who came back with cake and pizza because her daughter got a scholarship. Wow. Um, we had a woman who come back who is now a successful realtor and she just came with some donations near Christmas. Wow. Um, we had a woman who was severely abused and she actually just got remarried oh, wow. <laughs> very recently. So um, we have women who have gone back to school and are working on their own. Um, there is all sorts of success stories. Yeah. It's really amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about is uh, going back to your comment about uh, the, the children and helping the moms identify when the children are dealing with trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have counselors to work with that specifically work with children? To ha- to yeah, so we um, we have the family counseling program, and sometimes mm-hmm. in that program she may see adolescents. Um, but for children, we refer them to community resources. So Children Who Witness Abuse program is offered by other organizations in the community, and we refer the children to that program. Sometimes the counselors come on site and see the children on site. Our child support workers really focus on um, connecting children with art and you know summer activities and gardening and all sorts of things like that um with support with uh, enrollment in a school tutors but not specifically counseling for children we 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 rely on other organizations yeah you actually mentioned i remember mentioning earlier about schooling Mm -hmm. um and because you only have one transition house i believe right yes yeah um those how long are people there typically for 
So the length of a stay is meant to be 30 days, mm-hmm. <laughs> but with the housing crisis, it's often 60 days. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Because it's so hard to find safe and affordable housing. So yeah. during that time, wh- what are, if, I mean, so let's assume that a family's come to your transition house and they're nowhere near the catchment, but they may have had children in school before. Mm-hmm. I mean, act first of all, I'm, make, I'm making the assumption that the kids are even in school. Is yes. That, is that a, yeah, most of the time they yeah, are. Yes. Like if they're school age, they'd be in school. Yeah. So what do they do during that time? Do they get homeschooled? Is there a local school uh, yeah, that helps so take them in? Or? We have a relationship with our local school. Oh, so okay. they support enrolling the children yeah. that come to our facilities. Yeah. And if it's a very high-risk situation, then they may be homeschooled at the transition house. Right. Um, but often they are enrolled in our local school. Until they can find a second-stage housing and get established. Exactly. And then they'll go to that school. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, Pawnee, this is really great. We're going to take a quick break. And of we're going to come back and uh, talk a little bit more about Dixon Society and all the great work you're doing. Excellent. We'll just take a quick Thank break you. and come back. Thank you. Okay, we're back with Pawnee, Executive Director of the Dixon Society. Um, and we were just talking about uh, your Christmas party. Yes. Or your, Christmas, your Christmas fundraising for the, the supporting the families. Yes. The, do you have a name for that event? What do you call um, it? A jazz concert, you no, mean? No, no, or the just one where a, Yeah, it's just sponsor. our Christmas fundraiser. <laughs> Christmas fundraiser. Yes. Um, now, you're ju- that's, you, oh, you're sponsoring families, right? Yes. So if, a, if an organization or somebody was listening to this and they wanted to become uh, a sponsor for a hmm. family, let's talk about the sort of m- commitments they would have to make yeah. to something like that. What are sort of the basic, you know, uh, basic commitments they have to make and what, it, yeah. what are they going to get out of it from it for, for the work they put in? Yes. So we make it really easy. Okay. Um, in, I think in October we have towards the end of October, or middle of October, we have a wish list ready to go. And what we do is we share that with the sponsors. So depending on, where they want to be, how they want to start. If they are a first-time sponsor and they want to go small and they just want to sponsor two or three family members, yeah. um, how many children in that in that group, then we provide them with a list of um, wish lists that matches their need. Yeah. And um, again, we make it very clear that they don't have to buy everything on the wish list. It really depends on on what their budget is and what their goals are. The idea behind the wish list is that so they have something to To guide them to know what the age of the children are, what are the things they like. And one of the other things that the sponsors do is buy us gift cards, like grocery gift cards or um, compass tickets. And these are things that help us throughout the year. Uh So we provide those gift cards to the woman as they move out of our our facilities or if they need... um, transportation cost covered to go to appointments then we support them with that yeah um so yeah they get in touch with Gianna, our communication and development coordinator depending on their needs she sets them up with the number of families that they want yeah and then they go shopping <laughs> and yeah, then fine. um yeah and we will and what, what, most, what do most uh, families cost to sponsor like what's the it it really depends. Like it can be as low as three hundred. Yeah. Really depends on on the organization and on the individual and how far they want to go. Yeah. Um. The idea for us is that the families, the children, have 
gets Something to special. open. Yeah. Exactly. And that the woman know that the community is behind them. Behind That's them. really yeah. the gesture behind yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that to when we were doing it in the past that there would be typically say, okay, there's a, a woman and then there was a couple of suggestions of what we might, but what might be nice for her. Exactly. And then her two children. Yes. And again, some ideas because you get an idea of whether it's a boy or a girl and how yeah. old they are and that yeah. type of thing. And then of course, if you have kids like, like what Crystal and I do, you know, if they relate anywhere to your own kids, you can kind of figure out it should be Paw Patrol or exactly. Transformers or whatever, you know. You exactly. Know, so, yeah. yeah. And then. And um, this, this is not just families that are in the transition house. You only have 10 families at a time there. Exactly. Right? Is, we have 10 women and children at the, any given time. So it yeah. can be four to five families, depending on the yeah. size. Um, so we sponsor the families in our transition house, in yeah. our second stage and third, third stage. stage yeah. But also we'd never know when a family leaves and a new family comes. Right. So so if a family has been with us in October, November, yeah. and they move out, we still um, provide them with Christmas gifts. So okay. we bring them back and let them know that they have been a sponsor and provide those to them. Yes. Yeah. And then sometimes we have clients who have left, but we know they still need support. And yeah. so we, we prepare a package for them. Sure. Another thing that some sponsors have done is like put packages together so groceries and um hygiene items okay. and diapers and and this is even pajamas outside, even outside of uh, uh christmas time yeah sometimes it's done through christmas time because yeah. it happens that people are really aware of it in yeah. uh, during that time they're shopping for themselves they're really aware of their privilege and they want to share yeah so usually community steps up uh, to an incredible level during yeah. that time yeah. and so sometimes organizations do pajama runs and buy us you know yeah 30 40 pajamas for the kids throughout I don't the year do you remember the time i remember I you <laughs> coming back from hawaii with luggages <laughs> of clothing for the children it was Cr incredible yeah, this, i can remember this so well because chris i had never bought so many clothes from the gap before yeah we were in hawaii and it was christmas it was like it was after it was after new year's it was like the boxing day sale. yeah and we were in Maui with Crystal and myself and our, our I think we only had Capri at the time. <laughs> and there was like this, the Canadian dollar was at par with the US dollar. Yeah. And it was like an 80% off sale on all these little kids. stuff. And I remember we didn't even have enough. We went and bought a new piece of luggage, which cost us more than all the clothes. Yeah. And I, we, I remember because we, <laughs> you came by and we had like just mounds and mounds of pajamas yes. and stuff for the kids. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I still get emotional about that. That was incredible. <laughs> that I was can't believe fun. you and Crystal did that. <laughs> yeah. I just remember being in the store and it, it took like, it took like half an hour for the lady to ring through every single item. It was so <laughs> funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We cleaned that store out. I don't think yeah. Gap has ever seen one. And I remember you donated the luggage too, so we gave the <laughs> luggage to someone who was moving out. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, so if families would want to, if if do you ever have do you have individual families that want to also sp sponsor families? Like do you ever? Yes, yeah. yes, we have um, board members who sponsor individual yeah. families. We have incredible donors who sponsor individual families. Yeah. Yes. And I know the other things that I've, I've found has helped me in wanting to continue to support Dixon is you will give me um, ideas of where you want to put money towards. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important for you. I'll keep that as advice for you to keep doing that when you're talking to, yeah. um, you know, whether it's corporations that mm -hmm. want to make a donation or individual families like Crystal and I is when I remember we um, helped with that uh, 
playground in the backyard, yes. right? Yes. And you and and because you need a combination, you also had some volunteers help put that together, right? Yeah. So you donated yeah. the funding for the playground, and then um, for removal of the old one and preparing the grounds again, and then we had volunteers who came in and just put it together. Yeah. And actually, um, a month ago, not even a month ago, we had another group of volunteers come in and repaint it. Oh, really? <laughs> so it looks brand new oh, again. Oh, great. Yeah. So we do we do projects throughout the year. So, for example, the capital improvements that I mentioned um, that BC Housing and CMHC had funded, yeah. um, $10,000 of that came from Raymond James Foundation. Right. Um, throughout the year, um, we have other capital improvements. So you have a number of times donated to that where we needed new doors and um, playground and we had kitchen renovated yeah, and upgraded. So yeah. because of the number of families that go through the facilities, um, we we always have to maintain the facilities. And yeah. our goal is to not only have it be a nice space, but to be a safer space. And that requires attention to those kind of things. And so we always have room um, to receive funding and support yeah. for that as well. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Let's jump to the, some of the stats because we were sure. going to look into those. And, and some of them what, that are, uh, was quite surprising to me. I remember when you first spoke to these about our, with our group a couple mm-hmm. years ago. The one that caught me, here's the page here um, on your, and this is on your annual report yes. uh, for 20, I think 2018. Yes. Um, and one of the ones that I was quite surprised by was the one which was um, women and children turned away due to lack of space. Yes. And this goes back to, if anybody from the city of Burnaby is listening, let's yes. get that second case stage <laughs> housing built. Yes. Uh, because you turned away 2,155. Yes. And last year, so that was in 2017, 2018. Oh, yeah. And last year, 2018, 2019, uh, 1493 women and children were turned away. So the number wow. is every year is significant. Yeah. And... Um, have yeah. You, do you feel that domestic violence um, from your lens is um, improving? I mean, meaning, meaning like it's, there's less of it mm-hmm. um, or is it getting worse or what? It, or is it it's just the same? Yeah. You've been there for nine years, right? Did, yes. Yeah. So unfortunately, in the past nine years, I haven't seen a, a um, less number of violence against women. Um, I know that overall, if you look at historical stats, of course, the rate of crime is dropping. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, over the past decade, um, even beyond that, I don't think rate of violence against women has decreased at all. Mm. So mm. it feels like we kind of um, take 10 steps forward and then two steps back. And every time it's like a struggle um, to to eliminate that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, you last year you did support um, how many? Where's it on there? Clients served four hundred and forty. Four hundred forty. Yeah. That was the previous year, and then yes, and this year I think that's why I'm looking at my phone. I have the yeah. stats in front of me. I ha- we had we served five hundred twenty-five clients. Oh, so it's a big increase. And hundred eighty-seven of that were children. Really? Yes. And if you did get the second stage housing built, mm-hmm. um, first of all, if you got the if if City of Burnaby can get come to the table with yes. that support. How long would that take? Two years to get that, to get the doors yeah, open? Yeah, and we we are we are pretty confident that the city is supportive. Yeah. Um, and um, appreciate their support. We yeah. know that they're committed to doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So it will probably be, um, a year, twelve to eighteen months yeah. to to build the facility to have it 
realistically potentially two years to have it go and and then what yeah. do you project from there how much how many more families would that help serve in a so year? the commitment from bc housing is to fund 20 additional units of housing which is significant yeah. so right now we have in total um 13 independent units yeah. uh, including our second and third stage housing yeah. so that more than double yeah yeah it's, so it's this incredible. is 20 this is uh 20 individual I units individual. of housing, yeah. And this is for stage two, this is a, or is this Yeah, so BC Housing has committed to providing some funding support so that okay. there will be a staffing support for the families so that they get support. I don't know if it will be as significant as second stage, but they have definitely committed to providing support around the staffing of the facilities. Right, yeah. okay. Any other stats here that you've got that uh, are worth uh, commenting about? Yeah, I mean, um, number of families served and number of people turned away is always significant. Um, what is significant to us is also number of people who volunteer with us. So we have a range of from 60 to 100 volunteers per year, um, thousands of volunteer hours. And like, I, like you mentioned, the playground, the kitchen was renovated by volunteers. Of course, our board members are volunteers. We have knowledge philanthropists who come in and donate their time um, and share their expertise in workshops. Yeah. So we really heavily rely on that. And it's, it's a me another meaningful way to give. To, right, so if you, yeah, okay, so you don't have to just you want to contribute you don't have to just donate money exactly uh, you can come whether you have a strong skill set um such as you know maybe you're an accountant or a lawyer and you want yeah. to help some teach some basics around money and numbers yeah or just showing up and with a with uh, an old shirt and a, and a paintbrush yeah we yeah. actually have traction guest i don't know if you're familiar with traction on demand um so traction guest is a is a smaller part of that traction on demand company yeah. and yeah, traction they're great they did uh, our uh, they set up our whole crm system years yeah, ago. yeah they're amazing yeah. and they're going to come and do a workshop with kids and do hopefully a coding workshop with oh kids. wow yeah Super so cool. there is all sorts of ways to get involved yeah 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 wow great um any other oh this is your this is your twitter handle right so this yes. is dixon society if yes. you want and so that what is the handle there at Dixon. Yes. At Dixon Society. Yes. Pretty simple. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good. Um, and so do you have any, uh, what's this, what was that fundraising there? I just that's saw. the Scotia Charity Challenge. Oh, that's you just uh, did. Go the distance for the children. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. Pani, Pani thank you for coming thank in you. today. This has been really nice having you here. Thank you so yeah. much for having I, me. I hope you have nine years. You're going to have, do you get a pin after 10 years? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully we'll be able to find out next year and not go anywhere. Hopefully I know that the, I know that the society really values all the work you do. Thank you. Um, and so do I. And I think it's really neat. We're happy to continue to support it. And uh, if any families or companies are out there, they want to get involved. They should just, what should they do if they want to get involved? Yeah, they can um, check out DixonSociety.ca. It's yeah. D-I-X-O-N. And um, there, is, there is information about different ways to um, give and participate, or they can connect with our uh, communication and development coordinator, operations yeah. at Dixon Society. Okay. Okay. I am happy to answer any questions. And, w so. and if they want to call somebody, um, mm -hmm. what's that lady's name again? Gianna. Gianna Fanner, yeah. Okay. She's our uh, development coordinator. And what's the best number to call? 604-433-4191. Okay, great. Yeah. Pani, thanks again. Thank you Best so much. Best of luck this year with your with your chair with your society. It's Thank great. Thank you so okay. much. Thank you.